This is Keeping Current with Wayne Potter. Welcome to the Keeping Current show with your host, Wayne Potter and Pam Brown. I'm Wayne Potter. This is the place where we talk about the ideas, issues, and trends that shape our everyday life. Our religious traditions all admonish us to care for the poor, the marginalized, and disadvantaged. The Christian Old and New Testaments speak to this, as well as the Muslim third pillar of Islam, Zakat, and the Jewish Mitzvah. These are all personalized expressions of faith. To what degree do these admonishments affect our societal values, especially as we face a high degree of homelessness? We must acknowledge that all levels of government have not been able to limit homelessness. In fact, there has been a 22% increase in the unsheltered homelessness since 2016. Much of the burden of coping with these conditions has been borne by various nonprofits and local governments despite the long-term financial commitment by government. I'd like to have you spend a few minutes with me as I talk with Desiree Aden Ocampo. She is the executive director of Rehab's Sisters, a Portland, Oregon nonprofit whose mission it is to create community through radical hospitality with those marginalized by poverty, homelessness, sex work, violence, and substance abuse. I would urge you to consider supporting this organization and or similar ones. The organization's website will be found alongside the recording that will be placed on SoundCloud. Thanks so much for considering. Desiree, it's just a pleasure to have you here today on the Keeping Current Show. It's, it's really an opportunity for me to learn more about this organization called Rahab's uh, Sisters, uh, located in the greater Portland area. And this is a wonderful opportunity. Uh, you're the executive director of an organization, I believe, recently as such. Congratulations on this posting. And I'm sure you bring much energy and direction to this wonderful organization. So I thought we could start off in our conversation talking about the, the primary mission of Rahab's sisters. Uh, can you, I mean, it says something, well, you, perhaps you could state what that is, and then we'll talk a little bit about the radical hospitality. I'm interested in that phrase. Thank you, Wayne. Um, I am delighted to be here, and thank you for inviting me to be part of your program. And yes, I haven't been the executive director with Rahab Sisters for um, that long. It's, it's you know, it, it's fairly recent. I started um, late August, early September. Um, so it, it's been a hot minute. It's, it's, you know, it's a very short time. But Rahab Sisters has been around since 2003. It was started by two Episcopal priests. Um, and they were literally out... Um, in the middle of the night, and um, it was a ministry for women who were, you know, marginalized and um, not safe either by sex work or, or poverty. Um, and it has it has grown. It's not um, it's its own five hundred one c three, and um, it's not you know 
we wouldn't consider ourselves a religious organization, but certainly grounded in the teachings of Jesus. Um, though I wouldn't, um, probably no one will describe us as such now, okay. you know, because <laughs> um, in that spirit of ho uh, radical hospitality, as you know, Jesus did, you know, it was er everyone is welcome. There's no prerequisite to be to be served or to be part of the community, come as you are. And so you ask what our mission is. And really the mission is about building community through radical hospitality mm -hmm. with, not for, um, people who are marginalized by houselessness, poverty, uh, sex work, substance abuse, and violence. Um, for women and those, uh, and those with marginalized genders. Um, so that's kind of a mouthful, <laughs> but the bottom line is that, uh, you know, we are, um, our primary focus is um, our women or those with marginalized genders or whose genders um, make them especially vulnerable. Yeah. And um, it's through radical hospitality because originally, you know, when it got started, um, there was a sense that, um, they were helping women to get out of sex work or they were helping women to be out of this, you know, let's convert them out of this work um, or this lifestyle, if you will. But that um, quickly, uh, they, they quickly found that like that really wasn't the work if they were being true to um, Jesus's teachings at that time, you know, um, because it was like, oh, in radical hospitality, then if we're meeting people where they are at, it's not really about what they're doing because when we go beyond that, they were able to see the whole person and then learn that in building community and, and not even serving the women, but um, recognizing that each of us have gifts and talents and they're all um, valuable and of worth. Um, as you know, as we've been bestowed upon um, for those of us who are of, um, of the faith, um, they realize that out of building that community, that was actually more important for folks who were marginalized to be able to make whatever changes they needed to make in their life um, in how they saw themselves, right? For this, like having a self, a positive self identity for themselves. And to have that agency and to build this community that they weren't alone, they were loved just for the way they are. No one was going to say, well, you're not going to get a meal tonight unless you okay. pray with us, <laughs> you know. All right, all right. Yeah, you're going to have to pray because a lot of um, the women had been traumatized by the church. They've, they've had, mm -hmm. you know, they had all these experiences of either being shamed or being maybe even thrown out of the church um and, and, that, and that's how they found themselves either houseless or on the street or in a situation where they're at where it just kind of snowballed but didn't know how to come right. back yeah so so this radicalized uh hospitality is it like i mean could i say that sort of a uh hyperbolic uh, you have to have a very very special attitude about mm. hospitality with others i'm trying to figure out yeah, that, yeah. and I don't know where that I know I've not ever seen the phrase radical hospitality used before yeah 
Yeah, that's that's true because especially I, I guess here in um maybe in the Portland metro area, you know, the the word radical kind of has its own <laughs> Take oh, on its own meaning, or exactly, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yes. And if, yeah. if we said Jesus was radical, you know, that might that might ruffle some feathers as well. Hmm. Um, I think he was pretty radical, <laughs> but he truly was, right? I mean, if <laughs> if if folks and if, if his disciples were questioning, or the Pharisees were questioning, the, and the the religious leaders of the day were questioning him about like. Why are you hanging out with these prostitutes? Why are you letting these tax collectors eat with you? And it's really that same idea in that, you know, people might say, why are you letting these folks who shoot up, shoot up drugs um, as soon as they walk out of here? Why are you letting them in? Why are you serving them? Clearly, you know, it, it's those same, it, it's that same concept. So radical hospitality is really about thinking and or asking the question about what the what do you want versus what do you need right because when we ask somebody well, what do you need the, it, it it implies that it can easily lead to the road of um us thinking about well how much do you really need right. and i'm gonna judge then how much you need right now versus what do you want, right? Um, radical hospitality is also about being um, being able to suffer with others and being un- allowing ourselves to be with the uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and providing no barriers for someone to come. Um, yeah. Well, that I mean, I guess that brings us to the the concepts or principles that are, are clearly posted on your site yeah. about safety um, yeah. uh, and uh, trustworthiness, trustworthiness and transparency, things of that nature. Uh, are, are those the elements of this radical hospitality that are essential to making people feel comfortable with coming to a, to a place where they can develop some community with people that aren't even like them? Yeah, yeah, certainly. Those are like, those are, you know, the, the, um, the values of our version of trauma informed kind of approach or care when we enter a space or, you know, not just a space as a place, but a space where, um, like, say, like you and I are right now, we're in this space together. Um, and thinking about, um, you know, uh, especially with our volunteers, right? Because we're essentially very highly volunteer run. And so when we are in a, what we call a service, say on Friday nights and serving food and hygiene supplies, um, part of building that uh, community is approaching it with transparency, attra- approaching it with, with trauma-informed um, care in, in the sense that there is awareness of, of how we express ourselves and also in the receiving and the giving. So it's, it's very much, um, there's lots of communication and there's lots of grace. There's so much room for grace um, and uh, approaching things where we don't necessarily have an expectation of how one should act or one should dress or one should, how one should um, speak and that um, it's okay. 
<laughs> you're welcome here. However, you're welcome you here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I, yeah. you know, of course that does. I mean, I make it. I don't want to make it sound so, um, you know, fairy tale like. It certainly isn't. <laughs> right. <laughs> it can be. It could be triggering or stressful, but. Um, also, we, we do offer a lot of care to our volunteers in that uh, just as much as those who who we consider as our guests. Right. Because One of the other, other principles that you've noted is collaboration and mutuality. Could mm -hmm. you give some examples of, of how uh, the organization's efforts or your people are, are yeah. collaborating with individuals and... and yeah. um, it's sort of got to be forming some kind of friendship to be able to start collaborating together. Very, very much. And it takes a really big, like an open mind and open heart to, um, and, and the other thing is to, um, to have courage, you know, because sometimes it's, it's um, we, we come from a place of fear a lot. If once we open ourselves up for, for that place to be able to collaborate and co-create because we, you know, it, it means um, letting go a little bit of our control, right? Yeah. Um, and, and, but trusting that, you know, we ultimately don't have any control. And so how that's come about, you know, like we all, everybody comes, like there's a lot of people that come and say, oh, I have an idea. Wouldn't it be great if I, you know, maybe give haircuts for people? And like, that's great on the surface, but um, we're just not going to let you um, come and do that because that didn't really actually come out of our, our guests um, as a need. So we're going to check back and get okay. some sort of feedback. Right? <laughs> yeah. Right. And it's like, is this something anybody would be interested in um, before just saying, we're just going to provide haircuts for everybody because that could be mm -hmm. triggering, right? Um, so that's one way. Or um, we also do listening sessions, both with our guests and our, our volunteers, and just kind of check in, like, how, how can we, what are some of the things that would help you build community here, right? right? And, and we, just, it's we just take it from that versus, hey, we think we should have yoga, you know? Okay. <laughs> we should have some meditation time, <laughs> you know? Um, another one would be, uh folks do ask like do you have prayer requests could people pray for you like we just wouldn't say can i pray for you or we're gonna have this prayer meeting now however um guests do ask is there a way for me to share my prayers right. and it's out of that that we say yes we'll find a way you know um would it would something like this be comfortable like a, a prayer journal that maybe we would just leave that you could fill in because what might be comfortable for some might be really uncomfortable for others. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, another one of your principles is empowerment and uh, choice um, yeah. so that you can build on people's strengths. So I suppose that part of what is listening to people <laughs> and finding yes. out who they are and, and what yes. they talk about yes for sure so um you know when before we expanded our um capacity for licensed counselors it was truly volunteer driven who would take a lot of time to sit and commune 
um, with our guests. And that's really the magic of Rahab Sisters um, is because when they're there on site and building that community, it's, it's really the one-on-one and the relations that the relationship that is being built. And so right. a lot of that now um, our counselors do a lot because they're, they're, they're licensed counselors. So they're able to also identify things that are kind of maybe beyond what we're trained for right. um, or right. any volunteers trained for, and they're able to follow up in that sense. But they also, our counselors are really great at like building community with some of our volunteers to do some follow-ups. Um, and that has really empowered people. And it was also out of the guests that said, we'd like to kind of have our own therapy group, our own support group. Um, but we don't want to be, you know, <laughs> psychologized or anything. Right, um, so right. we, yeah, so we have this thing, we call it a Friday circle, but it's really a therapeutic support group, if right. you will, um, that's facilitated by one of our licensed counselors. Mm-hmm. But most often than not, they have taken a back seat because the guests have really empowered themselves that like, this is their, you know, this is their time. Some guests have um, shown so they feel comfortable their, enough as they yeah. come in to be able to share themselves in some way. Exactly. Or. And feeling empowered and having their own sense of agency that they would not have had otherwise have had, you know, or yeah. not have the opportunity to do that mm-hmm. on the street or, you know, it's a safe place. Yep. So let's let's um, talk a little bit about you have uh, on Friday nights you have uh, a meal and then you distribute uh, meaningful products for people uh, yeah. to help just meet their needs. So how does that work and yeah. where do you do it? You know how does that work? <laughs> yeah. So you had asked me earlier where we're located. So I'm sorry I missed. I didn't share that. So we are on 82nd Avenue. Um, along the I-205 corridor on the east side of the city of Portland. So it's a little bit of a desert in terms of human services organizations. But, um, you know, especially during COVID, the number of houseless camps has just exploded. So there's, it's a lot of need with very few folks servicing. And so- Located in a- in a standalone building or I mean oh, thank your you. own yeah. or are you in a church or are you in a yeah so we place? are located on the campus of St. Peter and Paul Episcopal Church where it's always been yeah since 2003 yeah so we are we use their facility um and the and the congregation, the parishioners there are, um, are just lovely. You know, they, um, it's a kind of a symbiotic relationship mm-hmm. there. They, they love the ministry. So they see it as a ministry on their end. Um, and we're there and we, we kind of just coexist. And they're very gracious um, in terms of the use of the facility. So you yeah. can, so when you want to do the Friday night, dinner <laughs> then you can use the kitchen facilities and, oh yeah yeah the dining the area, meeting mm-hmm. hall okay yeah so their dining area the meeting hall so we've been doing that um with covid you know we we luckily the church property has a nice backyard okay and so we have moved everything to the backyard so nothing is indoors except for the preparation and all that but when the guests come they're all in the in the backyard so we set up the tables um, 
prior to COVID, it was all restaurant style. You, you know, the guests come yeah. and there's linens on the table and oh. flowers. I mean, yeah, flowers oh, and wow. candles. Yeah. yeah, they sit down, we take their order, we serve them. I mean, it was it, it was literally, it was an exceptional experience for mm. sure. Mm. Um, with COVID, um, we tried to retain as much of it. Um, and, but honestly, the, the need has been so great that it has just been like, let's just get this women fed and out of the elements. So we have to put up tents <laughs> every right. time we do. And now with the inclement weather, I mean, with winter, it, it is going to be really, really cold. Um, and then men started showing up because it became very visible, you know, to be outside. Um, and so that was something that we, we had to, to deal with. Get out of the elements. <laughs> yeah. And I should say cis men, you know, um, and who were quite upset about like why, you know, why were these women um, having a place for them and not yeah, right, <laughs> having right, a, a safe happen. place? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we navigated through that and we, of course, we couldn't turn away any hungry people. And so um, we've managed to serve men um, on a limited basis with um, to-go meals as well on the other side of the building while oh, the women okay. have their, um, they get to come and in. Women might feel less comfortable in some of their settings if the men were- Yeah, it's actually very triggering. It's, it's the only time we're, it might be men they actually know on the street that maybe have, you know, um, put their hands on them, right. um, some fresh wounds um, and such. Yeah. Right. And so, oh, and so like, it's very important that when the women now come, so everything's to go now, like we need to go meals, even though they get to sit and still eat um, kind of in safe distances. Uh, they, when they, when they come, we, we just ask them how many meals would you like? Like they're, oh. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that's for our first timers, that's a, a shocking thing for a guest. Yeah. Because yeah. they do, they, they, they give that same reaction that you just did. Like, oh, yeah. what yeah. do you mean, how many? Yeah. Like, right. How many would you like? And they're like, yeah. yeah. They're like, I can have one. So even that is just like a wrecking, you know, it's, it's, it's a powerful thing right. because they realize, like, oh, they're not treating me like a charity case and it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And with the, with the supplies and such too, um, we, so we don't prepackage them. We don't assume what they need. Um, we do have a listing of like what's available and they kind of order. Right. Okay. <laughs> they, they do a little so, order. So I need kind, one of this. I need of this. I need that. You, uh, what kind of things do you have available for the women? Yeah. So, so underwear, it's a, you know, just a basic need. Your panties and your bras, um, your sanitary, um, uh, your menstrual um, sanitary supplies, um, soap, deodorant, shampoo, toilet paper, um, lotion, even makeup. You know, we were, we we now always stock makeup. Um, you know, that actually came about because somebody needed to cover up um, the bruises okay. they had on their face, and that was right. like, oh, well, now you know. We just give makeup when they when they need makeup. Wow. Okay. <laughs> you know, sh uh, shavers and socks. So those are like kind of like the basic things um, that these we do. These things give you up. get donated or you purchase or maybe both or a, a combination of both. So um, we try to get it 
as donated as much as possible um, because we've had, I think we, you know, we've, we used just pre-pandemic, we were like at 70 women to a hundred. If, if we hit a hundred, 115, that was a really busy night. Yeah. Now we're at 300. Wow. It's a, yeah. All, all like, do they just come in droves or did they come like over a long period of hours? How does that work? Well, we start our um, dinner service at seven. So, but we do open our doors for just kind of community and exploration and people do crafts and just, you know, or they come earlier for that Friday circle that I mentioned. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. And, or they'll say, you know, I've got four other people at camp. Can I, you know, can I have four dinners? Are, they, are, are many of these people, are all of them homeless? I mean, they're all homeless? It, it, it varies from 80 to like 80 to 90, 90% are unhoused. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So they really need a, a safe, a reliable source that, that doesn't, uh, that takes care of them without them having to worry about that back in the camps. I can, yeah. I and it's a, Right. And it's a, it's sort of a time for just a time where um, maybe they're sitting at a real, on a real chair, you know, having, you know, um, they're not in their little tent, maybe um, just having a nice conversation. They get, to, oh, they get to peruse our, um, our clothing racks. So they okay. get to shop <laughs> mm-hmm. for clothes. We <laughs> yeah. don't limit and we don't, we also don't limit it, you know, for shoes and pants or whatever we might have um because who are we to say you know you were here last week you got two pairs of pants and now you want another one (laughs) 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 we don't because also too if you imagine they have no way to wash clothes yeah right oh and that's another thing we do distribute we do distribute um laundry soap and laundry vouchers okay um so you mean like to go somewhere to do your laundry yes we have a partnership with um one of the like nearby laundromat so that um you know a voucher is like five dollars so that that definitely just comes out of our our budget um that we just cover their their laundry for them and then we give them the detergent and so we have those um what other things gosh you know especially now like the camping supplies so tents and tarps are um are something that like goes very quickly and blankets well, there's a lot of pressure to dismantle these locations yes, yes. You, i mean how <laughs> i'm assuming you get some of the story about what's going on yeah in, in that for setting. sure and i suppose it can be pretty disturbing to them it is very much actually and um we also do outreach on sundays where we go out to the camps that we've actually stopped putting signs on our cars because people every time they see us you know whether we go out to the camp to reach out to let people know who we are and also distribute food and distribute some of these um hygiene stuff we would get really bad phone calls (laughs) telling us oh yes we would get calls because they've identified us as rahab sisters and they're like stop coming to my neighborhood you're making it worse by serving these by serving them so it, it it's, it's tough. So we've stopped doing, putting up the signs for us to be identified. Um, but to answer your question, it's actually more troublesome because what, what is not, while the sweeps might quote unquote clean up that area, what we don't have is 
where the folks will go. Right. Um, and the one simple thing that our county or city or any officials can do and, and, and citizens can advocate for is mm -hmm. for to spend the money to put dumpsters out where the camps are. Because, you know, if we just think even in our own homes, how much trash we generate from um, packaging, mm -hmm. right? From disposable yeah. plates or any, anything like that. Um, that's a lot. Mm -hmm. right? And when you're at a camp, when you're outside, there is not one trash bin anywhere and everything you own and go through is and must be disposable. Right. right? Um, from your own laundry to your plate, to your cup, to God, God knows it, to your clothes, everything is disposable. So right. just for one person, multiply that by 20 in one area. It mm -hmm. is a lot of trash. And that's usually when we start as residents or homeowners begin to get kind of irritated is right. when we see the trash pile up. So I think that's one simple solution that we can do because it costs money to sweep the camps. Right. Now, but it costs the, a lot less to put the dumpster out. Yeah. Now the, now this, the city of, of Portland just uh, established a, about a $19 million investment in yeah. helping the homeless. Uh, have you had a hand in that or understand anything more about the fact that they just have some money? So yeah, so this money came about as excess, I believe. Um, so it's a one-time pot of money and it's actually about 60 million, I think, that came from, oh gosh, I, I believe it came from re taxes and uh, revenue um, from um, business taxes. I believe that's what it is, I could be wrong. But anyway, um, the, the, the city's charter or the city, rules say that half of it must go to existing um, uh, existing programs already. So there's this other half that they can then allocate. Well, that other half, which is roughly 30 million. Um, so uh, yeah, so out of that 30 million, I think 18 million is, um, have been allocated to the county itself um, for affordable housing maybe or some sort of um, transitional housing and then the other half everybody has been um, kind of maneuvering where does this money go you know yeah. for houselessness and so I, I did provide public testimony um, for one of their public hearings um, about a week and a half ago on it that you know the proposal that they first put out didn't really seem it wasn't quite where it needed to go yeah. <laughs> like it, yeah it wasn't indirect services it wasn't things that didn't directly address the issue at hand now that doesn't really help the houseless population immediately it was all things primarily a lot of the things that were um that will take years yeah so for example, like I said, just putting out trash bins and maybe spending some money um, doing, you know, wh whoever the contractors are, put trash bins out there and make that be a part of the route um, mm -hmm. of weekly pickup for trash would right. do 
um, significantly. I mean, oh, it would certainly make a improved. different impact for the public who driving by and seeing all the trash scattered all over the place. Yeah, and and of course, people love you know they're like we need affordable housing, and we absolutely do. But as a response to houselessness, it's going to take years. So it's not yeah. like that. That wouldn't be something that would address what we're seeing out in the streets now. Right. Um, and it's also just one-time money yeah. um, that the that the city has. Well, immediate assistance would be about then. Right. So yeah. So the more like stuff like that that, yeah. that can be used mm-hmm. right now, and then all those sweeps as well. One of the things that. Um, the big things that we're hearing from the residents is that when they they'll get their notice, you know, you have to move and they're like, you just have to move. Sorry. Yeah. And they're like, well, what am I going to do with this stuff? Um, well, people might not even know that some these folks actually hold jobs, too. Okay. <laughs> you know? okay. Yes. Yeah. So what we hear, it's like, well, I had to go to work, so I couldn't move my stuff because I didn't know where to move to. And by the time I got back, they all my stuff was gone and yeah yeah, and they're like that's everything that's everything that they own so now they have to start over again so then now they come to places like Rahab Sisters can we get the supplies can we get a tarp can we get a sleeping bag and so then the system just gets worse because now we're spending money and then they're like I can't get that stuff back even though the cities and I think they're supposed to hold it for a certain time then they can retrieve it and they're like but that's all the way over there like i have to be at work yeah and yeah so there's just a lot of that happening it's really unfortunate well, uh Eden, tell me what what are some of the the basic needs that the public might be able to support you in? is it testimony is it money is it a bunch of other stuff <laughs> yeah <laughs> It's all of the above, right? Um, <laughs> well, I think there's, I would just say there's just a number of ways to support um, because mo- people are sometimes comfortable with giving money, but sometimes they're not, or they're not able to, or sometimes they're more comfortable with advocacy and getting the story out, which we absolutely want. Kind of like what you're doing right now, giving me a platform to be able to speak mm-hmm. about it. And that's really important too. So it's all of the above. I always love inviting people to come volunteer on site so they get the experience of um, what we're talking about and kind of fall in love with people. Right? Um, <laughs> and to just see there's, it, it's not that it's not scary. Because yeah. I think that's the one of the big things that, that it, it's, it's to dispel the myth of like, oh, um, I, I wouldn't know how to deal with them, you know, right, yeah. um, but it's just that they're, they're a hoot. They're, they're a fun group. Yes. And or, then, I mean, they're course, not like people that I would run into every day. So, you know, I mean, I'm, I won't know who they are. No, no. Like, yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. I can just and assume. Certain, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and certainly we could always use donations of all the supplies that I've been talking about. And then um, and then financial contribution is what is probably like the thing that we will always need. Um, because right now we are faced with how do we sustain um, the capacity that we've built in the past year? Now that, you know, because we were lucky to get some of the CARES money that the federal government came out with and saying, Mm -hmm. everybody's impacted through COVID. Here's some money, right? Yeah, right. (laughs) Um, But that's a one-time thing. (laughs) And now 
yeah, we don't want to be in the situation and come come January to have to contract and say, actually, now we're going to have to pull back services. We might have to put limits on how many people we can serve or turn people away. And that's not what we want. So that means finding funding to be able to at least sustain where we are at right now. Yeah. Well, and we're on give guide. So we'll have it week's <laughs> give guide. So if people want to give uh, or they can go on our website and, right. and give financially. Yeah. Well, Desiree Aiden Ocampo, it's been a pleasure talking with you today and learning more about Rahab Sisters. It's been, yes. I think it's a very important kind of uh, service that's in our public. We are all concerned about the homeless, but I mean, doing something about it is the key element. And in many mm -hmm. cases, the cities and counties and states have not been able to do it, have not made that commitment. So thank you for your services. And uh, I hope that some of our listeners will consider making some investments in your organization. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure, Wayne. And I'm happy to, you know, talk with folks or um, visit them and, and speak at their places more about it too. Great. As well. Yeah. well, thank you again. Thank you. And I'll bye say bye. goodbye for now then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This has been another edition of Keeping Current with Wayne Potter.